The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello. I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Seneca, letter number 13, which on the edition, in the edition I'm using, uh, which I got from Tim Ferriss's uh, website, uh, this letter is entitled On Groundless Fears. Now, unlike Marcus Aurelius, who writes in in short paragraphs or sentences, these are letters. <laughs> these are letters from Seneca, and they're much longer. Um, and I, I would love to read the entire thing, but we don't really have time. So I'm going to read um, an excerpt. It's about half of it, or maybe 60% of the letter. I encourage you to read the entire thing, or listen to the audio version on Tim Ferriss's uh, blog, which I have the uh, the link to in the description. So he says like this. This is a letter to his his uh, his friend uh, Lucilius. There are more things, Lucilius, likely to frighten us than there are to crush us. We suffer more often in imagination than in reality. I am not speaking with you in the Stoic stream, but in my milder style, for it is our Stoic fashion to, fe- to speak of all those things which provoke cries and groans as unimportant and beneath notice. But you and I must drop such great-sounding words, although heaven knows they are true enough. What, have, what I advise you to do is not to be happy before the crisis comes, since it may be that the dangers before which you paled as if they were threatening you will never come upon you. They certainly have not come yet. Accordingly, some things torment us more than they ought. Some torment us before they ought, and some torment us when they ought not to torment us at all. We are in the habit of exaggerating or imagining or anticipating sorrow. Do me the favor, when men surround you and try to talk you into believing that you are unhappy, to consider not what you hear, but what you yourself feel, and to take counsel with your feelings and question yourself independently, because you know your own affairs better than anyone else. Ask, is there any reason why these persons should condole with me? Why should they be worried or even fear some infection from me as if troubles could be transmitted? Is there any evil involved or is it a matter merely of ill report rather than an evil? Put the question voluntarily to yourself. Am I tormented without sufficient reason? Am I morose? And do I convert what is not an evil into into what is an evil? You may retort with the question, how am I to know whether my sufferings are real or imaginary? Here's a rule for such matters. We are tormented either by things present or by things to come or by both. As to things present, the decision is easy. Suppose that your person enjoys freedom and health, and that you do not suffer from any external injury. As to what may happen to it in the future, we shall see later on. Today, there's nothing wrong with it. But, you say, something will happen to it. First of all, consider whether your proofs of future trouble are sure. For it is more often the case that we are troubled by our apprehensions, and that we are mocked by that mocker, rumor, which is wont to settle wars, but much more often settles individuals. Yes, my dear Lucilius, we agree too quickly with what people say. We do not put to the test those things which cause our fear. We do not examine into them. We blench and retreat just like soldiers who are forced to abandon their camp because of a dust cloud raised by stampeding cattle or are thrown into a panic by the spreading of some 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 unauthenticated rumor. And somehow or other, it is the idle report that disturbs us most. For truth has its own definite boundaries, but that which arises from uncertainty is delivered over to guesswork and the irresponsible license of a frightened mind. That is why no fear is so ruinous and so uncontrollable as panic fear. For other fears are groundless, but this fear is witless. Let us then look carefully into the matter. It is likely that some troubles will befall us, but it is not a present fact. How often has the unexpected happened? How often has the expected never come to pass? And even when it is ordained to be, what does it avail to run out to meet your suffering? 
You will suffer soon enough when it arrives. So look forward, meanwhile, to better things. What shall you gain by doing this? Time. There will be many happenings, meanwhile, which will serve to postpone or end or pass on to another person the trials which are near or even in your very presence. A fire has opened the way to flight. Men have been let down softly by a catastrophe. Sometimes the sword has been checked even at the victim's throat. Men have survived their own executioners. Even bad fortune is fickle. Sometimes it will come, perhaps not. In the meantime, it is not. So look forward to better things. The mind at times fashions for itself false shapes of evil when there are no signs that point to any evil. It twists into the worst construction some word of doubtful meaning, or it fancies some personal grudge to be more serious than it really is, considering how not how angry the enemy is, but to what lengths he may go if he is angry. But life is not worth living, and there is no limit to our sorrows if we indulge our fears to the greatest possible extent. In this matter, let prudence help you, and contend with a resolute spirit even when it is in plain sight. If you cannot do this, counter one weakness. Uh, if you cannot do this, counter one weakness with another, and temper your fear with hope. There is nothing so certain among the, these objects of fear that it is not more certain still that things we dread sink into nothing, and that things we hope for mock us. Accordingly, weigh carefully your hopes as well as your fears, and whether all the elements are in doubt, decide in your own favor. Believe what you prefer. And if fear wins a majority of the votes, incline in the other direction anyhow, and cease to harass your soul, reflecting continually that most mortals, even when no troubles are at, are actually at hand or are certain to be expected in the future, become excited and disquieted. No one calls a halt on himself when he begins to be urged ahead, nor does he regulate his alarm according to the truth. No one says the author of the story is a fool, and he who has believed it is a fool, as well as he who fabricated it. We let ourselves drift with every breeze. We are frightened at uncertainties, just as if they were certain. We observe no moderation. The slightest thing turns the scales and throws us forthwith into a panic. Okay, so that was a long excerpt. <laughs> now, why am I associating to Hanukkah here, of all things? So the thing that actually caused me to associate to Hanukkah at first was his statement about how um, about how uh, it is likely that some troubles will befall us, but it is not a present fact. How often has the unexpected happened? How often has the expected never come to pass? So definitely with Hanukkah and Purim and many other events in our history, um, then things have looked very, very grim. Uh, you know, in Purim, that it looked like we were all going to be uh, exterminated. In uh, Hanukkah, it looked like the um, you know the, the Jewish army was going to be defeated, and uh, and things did not turn out that way. Now, um, and and by focusing all these events every year, when we when we think through this, we're practicing this habit of mind of not taking the present circumstances as a seal of doom. You know, we always hold that God is, well, okay, I guess this is getting, now getting to the second point. So first point is we get to practice through Hanukkah and Purim and these other times when we reflect on the the, the catastrophes that looked certain and, and we were saved, uh, we get to practice the fact that our apprehension, our, our perceptions and apprehensions might not always come to fruition. Um, secondly, though, we have something that Stoics don't, <laughs> or more than one thing. We have Hashem, we have the bris, the covenant with the uh, the avos and their offspring, and with us, you know, as their offspring, and we have tefillah, right? So, um, the, the you know the the sto all the stoic can do is just think and manage his own expectations and perceptions, um, and also you know do whatever is in his control practically. But we have the tool of tefillah, which we hold not only as a tool for reinforcing this notion of recognizing what is in our control and what is not in our control, um, and turning to Hashem for those things that are not in our control, but also we believe that tefillah works, right? We do believe, for example, in uh, the Purim story, uh, which is, uh, I guess, a better illustration than Hanukkah, that because um, the entire Jewish people 
fasted and did tshuva uh, that Hashem responded. You know, that's what the Rambam says is the entire point of um, of Purim is to um, to reflect the idea that Hashem is close to us whenever we call out to Him. You know, so it is. Uh, so we have this valuable tool of tefillah. Um, that we that that we rely on that the Stokes don't have, and there are actual effects from tefillah that work. Um, how that works is a whole other shear. Um, and then the third thing I was thinking of here is when he says at the end, and I actually didn't get this at first. When he says at the end, um, no one calls a halt on himself when he begins to be urged ahead, nor does he regulate his alarm according to the truth. No one says the author of the story is a fool, and he who has believed it is a fool, as well as he who fabricated it. So Seneca is talking about himself or ourselves. He's saying that. We create these elaborate narratives in our minds, and then uh, to to frame these indications of evil as definite evil and as catastrophe. But we don't question the author of the story ourselves and our imagination and uh, and doubt it at all. You know. So I was thinking about this, and you know, Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs, uh, Zechar Tzadik Livracha, uh, always talked about how one of the big tools that Judaism uses is is uh, the tool of of storytelling and narratives. Um, and unlike Seneca, who just focuses on the present and the future, we focus a lot on the past. And one of the reasons we do that is in order to again to train our minds in in the narrative that. For example, when things look very grim for the Jewish people, we have been in situations like that before, and we have been saved before, and and there is a redeemer, and there are redemptions that he brings about, and by by you know by focusing using the, this this narrative device of whether it's saying Ahanisim or telling the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim or reading the Megillah. We are reinforcing the reality of these narratives that have happened in the past and talking about what is going to happen in the future. And then that helps us to properly cope with and deal with what is in the present in a more realistic way. We don't have to have guesswork at what is evil and what is good and uh, and what is possible and what is impossible, um, at least not as much guesswork as the Stoics do. We have we have a long history of things like this, and and uh, and we're practicing our 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 narrative framing uh, on a national level, and I think that that could be extended to an individual level as well, uh, albeit with modifications. So. That's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com. Link in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone. And I wish everyone a happy Hanukkah. Um, And uh, as I mentioned yesterday, uh, the podcast will take a hiatus um, until uh, Wednesday at the very... uh, least, uh, I believe. Uh, I'm taking off uh, Monday and Tuesday. So have a happy Hanukkah.